of, of Super Bowl commercials, a diverse crew of celebrities hiked the great fictional Paramount Mountain. wonder how many of you saw these commercials last Sunday. Among the hikers were household names like Dora the Explorer and Sur Survivor host Jeff. I know you like him, Brian. <laughs> the Paw Patrol joined them too on this great expedition, hiking the mountain. That was one of my uh, daughter's favorites, the Paw Patrol, along with others who took the hike. Some are names I can't say here in church. <laughs> you know, Beavis and the other guy. In this series of commercials, this motley crew of celebrities, both animated and human, they made their way to the top of Paramount Mountain. But when they arrived at the top, they were surprised to discover that it was already populated. For on that holy mountaintop stood the great Patrick Stewart and late-night host Stephen Colbert. Now these commercials reminded me, believe it or not, of our scripture text for today. In today's passage, the celebrity disciples, Peter, James, and John, climb to the top of the mountain with Jesus. These three up-and-coming leaders of the church, these three who will make enormous contributions to what we call the New Testament, these three who will all eventually have a Bible book that bears their name, Peter, James, and John, are handpicked by Jesus. They're taken aside and told to take a hike up a mountain. So they climb a high mountain with Jesus, but when they arrive at the peak, they, like the celebrities of the Super Bowl commercial, are in for a surprise. When they arrive at the top, they're in for a surprise. For on that holy mountaintop stood two of the greatest prophets the world has ever known. I'm not talking about Patrick Stewart or Stephen Colbert. I'm talking about Moses and Elijah. Moses, the lawgiver, who freed God's people from slavery in Egypt. Elijah, the prophet of all prophets, who at the end of his life did not taste death. But the scriptures tell us Elijah ascended to heaven with no trace of his body in sight. Today's text is filled with these biblical celebrities on the top of a mountain. Peter, James, and John, the inner ring of Jesus' twelve. Moses and Elijah, the Old Testament MVPs. And at the center of it all, is the blue-collar teacher from Nazareth named Jesus. Listen to the story for yourself from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, starting with verse 28. But first, let's pray. Lord, may your word be our rule of life. May your spirit be our teacher. And may the glory of Jesus be our single concern. Amen. Luke 9, verse 28. Hear the word of the Lord. After, about eight days after Jesus said these things, about eight days after one of his teaching tours, Jesus took Peter, John, and James and went up on a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes flashed white like lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, were talking with him. They were clothed with heavenly splendor and spoke about Jesus' departure, which he would achieve in Jerusalem. 
Peter and those with him were almost overcome by sleep, but they managed to stay awake and they saw his glory as well as the two men with him. As the two men were about to leave Jesus, Peter said, Master, it's good that we're here. We should construct three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But he didn't know what he was saying. Peter was still speaking, blah, 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 when a cloud overshadowed them. As they entered the cloud, they were overcome with awe. Then a voice from the cloud said, This, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Even as the voice spoke, Jesus was found alone. They were speechless and at the time told no one what they had seen. This is the word of the Lord. Have you ever been to the top of a mountain? Here's Stephanie and me in our younger days in the Swiss Alps. The view from the mountaintop is magnificent. No picture can do it justice. The human brain can hardly handle the beauty from the mountaintop. When you're on the top of a mountain, taking in the panoramic wonder before you, what you see through your eyes makes its way into your spirit. The experience is transcendence. Some of you know what I'm talking about if you've ever hiked a mountain. So it's no wonder 800 mountain climbers every year risk their lives to trek the mount of the summit of Mount Everest, the tallest mountain in the world. Why would they do this? Why would they hike Mount Everest? There's actually a part of Mount Everest that's literally called the death zone. Did you know that? The death zone. Climbers call it the death zone because at this altitude, Oxygen is so limited that the body's cells start to die. So why would 800 people risk their lives every year to make this climb? They do it because they are thirsty for the holy. They are seeking transcendence. And whether they would admit it or not, I believe they are looking for God. Where are you looking for God? The top of a mountain is not a bad place to start. In the scriptures, we see that God often reveals God's self on top of mountains. God often discloses who God is on the top of mountains. God seems to find this setting more sufficient than most for the task of divine revelation. Why? Because there's nothing casual about a mountaintop. Everything is obviously holy and majestic. The distance between heaven and earth feel a little closer from the mountaintop. We, for our part, are more tuned in to our smallness and the universe's largeness. And that's the attitude we must have if we hope to find God, or better put, to be found by him. That's why God often reveals God's self from the mountaintop. From the mountaintop, it's not hard to believe what the psalmist declares. The glory of the Lord fills the whole earth. Our story from the Bible today, it takes place, it takes its place among all the other stories of God's revelation from the mountaintop. 
It rises high above all these other stories of God's showing up on the mountaintop. It rises high above all of them as the most important revelation, almost the most. So let's get back to the story. Eight days after one of Jesus' teaching tours, Jesus needs a break. He needs a little mini sabbatical, so he grabs his three best friends, who are also his disciples in training, Peter, John, and James, and he leads them up a high mountain. We don't know what the journey was like, because like most stories in the Bible, the details are thin. Our imaginations are required to fill out the picture of what's going on. So we don't know what the climb was like, nor do we know what was said or what was done on that mountaintop. We don't even know which mountain they climbed. Some suggest Mount Tabor, others Mount Hermon, the specific names not mentioned in the Bible. But here's what we do know about what what transpired on that holy mountain. We know that Jesus was praying. And as he was praying, the strangest thing happened. The appearance of his face changed. Young people listening in, you need to know that these were the days before Instagram and visual filters. Today, you can contort your appearance in whatever way you'd like with social media. But back in Jesus' day, changing the appearance of your face was not so easy. It could only happen by a God miracle, a divine intervention. Jesus was on the top of the mountain, and as he was praying to his heavenly Father, the appearance of his face changed. It wasn't just his face that changed. His clothes, too, started flashing like a strobe light, flashed white like lightning. Some translations say his clothes became dazzling white, blindingly white, so white that Clorox bleach would have paid millions for Jesus' secret. You know, when you look at the pure white snow on a sunny day and the bright reflection off the snow hurts your eyes, That's the sense of Jesus' appearance here, blinding white. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes flashed white like lightning. And it gets even weirder. Two men appeared beside Jesus. Two men who had long been dead. Jesus went off to pray alone, as often he did, but out of nowhere, these two guys appear with Jesus. And they appear to be glowing as well. Their names were Moses and Elijah. If you're new to the Bible, you should know that these two characters, Moses and Elijah, are massively important in the Old Testament. Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. Together, their names tower over most other names in the Bible. Their influence will never be forgotten. It was Moses, you may recall, whom God spoke to from a burning bush. From this blazing on fire shrub, God said, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Let my people go. This was the beginning of how God freed the slaves in Egypt. It was Moses, too, who had his own mountaintop experience. From the top of Mount Sinai, he heard God's very words. From there... On the mountain, God revealed to Moses God's law, God's instructions for living a good life. And when Moses came down from the mountain with 
two tablets of the Ten Commandments in hand, the biblical writers tell us, and I quote, his face was radiant. Moses' face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. So Jesus is praying on the mountaintop. Peter, James, and John are off in the distance. Jesus' face changes just like Moses' face changed after speaking with God. And Jesus' clothes change too, becoming radiant white. Then Moses himself appears at Jesus' right side. On the other side of Jesus appears Elijah. Elijah was God's premier prophet in the 9th century B.C., it was Elijah, you may recall, that faced off with the, ba- the Baal worshipers, the Baal worshipers on Mount Carmel. It was a matchup between the God of Israel and the ancient gods of Near Eastern religion. And the matchup happened on a mountain. You can read it later in 1 Kings 18. But the winner of the contest was Elijah's God. God revealed something on the mountain that day. God revealed to Elijah and to all who were watching that there's only one real God in the universe. It's Elijah's God. It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's the God who rescued God's people from slavery in Egypt. The God who wrote the law for God's people on the mountain. The God who spoke inconvenient truth through the prophets, prophets like Elijah. So that's the picture of our text for today, and that's the context. I hope it's as clear as day for each of us now. Jesus is praying on the mountaintop, and things get weird. His face changes, his clothes change, the lawgiver Moses appears at one side, and the prophet of all prophets, Elijah, appears on the other. Now we have the picture and the context, but what's it all mean? (laughs) What did it mean back then, and what's it mean for us today? To answer those questions, we need to pay close attention to the conversation. If you can remember the scripture reading, you'll recall a brief conversation that Luke reports. After Luke gives our imaginations something to see, a mountain, changed appearances, Moses, Elijah, Luke then gives us something to hear. Verses 30 to 31. Two men, Moses and Elijah, were talking with Jesus. They were clothed with heavenly splendor and spoke about, listen to this, and spoke about Jesus' departure, which he would achieve in Jerusalem. They spoke about Jesus' departure, which he would achieve where? Jerusalem. Now, the Greek word for departure means much more than it sounds like it means in English. These glowing figures on the mountaintop were not merely talking about Jesus' departing flight from earth to heaven. The Greek word used here is the word exodon, which is the same word used for exodus. That's right, exodus. Moses and Elijah are talking with Jesus about his exodus, which he would achieve in Jerusalem. What is Jesus' exodus? And what does he accomplish in Jerusalem? Well, the first exodus was led by the guy at Jesus' right side, Moses. 
as we said before, it was a liberation from slavery in Egypt. This external freedom led to an internal freedom. This external freedom from slavery led to an internal freedom in the spirit whenever God's people internalized God's law and God's love. This was the first exodus. It was about liberation, freedom, and life with God. Now, according to the conversation between Moses, Elijah, and Jesus, there's going to be a second exodus. This one will be led by Jesus. As was the first, this one also will be about liberation, freedom, and life with God. According to the conversation, such liberation, freedom, and life will be one for us in Jerusalem. So let's recap. The setting of our text is a mountaintop. The spotlight is on the glowing glory of God revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. Ordinary Jesus, face aglow. Ordinary Jesus, dazzling clothes. Ordinary Jesus, unveiled as the divine sun. The picture is filled out by the long-gone Moses and Elijah, both back from the dead. They're having a conversation with Jesus about the new exodus that he will pioneer, an exodus that he will complete in Jerusalem. So the puzzle pieces are starting to come together. Now we must ask ourselves, what did Jesus accomplish in Jerusalem? What was exactly this exodus? We're going to see in more detail what plays out in Jerusalem over the coming weeks. Next week is Lent, which begins Jesus' turn toward Jerusalem. And so we'll see in more detail all that plays out in Jerusalem as we continue reading and preaching through Luke's gospel. Let me give you a sneak peek into the rest of the story. In our text, Jesus ascends the Mount of Transfiguration, as it's called, and Jesus is transfigured. His divine glory revealed to the disciples. In Jerusalem, Jesus is about to ascend two different mountains. The first is the Mount of Olives. The second is a mountain called Golgotha. These mountains are clues to Jesus' exodus, which he will accomplish in Jerusalem. On the Mount of Olives, Jesus is with his disciples. He was off by himself praying again, and his disciples once more are off in the distance, in danger of sleeping through the work of God. wonder if we've ever slept through the work of God. As the disciples fight off sleep, Jesus prays on the mountain of olives, Lord, please take this cup away from me, this cup of judgment, yet not my will, but yours be done. That's the Mount of Olives. The next mountain is Golgotha. It's the moment of, it's the mount of the crucifixion. It's outside the city gate where the Romans executed insurrectionists. And just like on the mountain of the glory at the transfiguration, Jesus again has two men at his sides. Not Moses and Elijah this time, but this time the two men with him are two criminals. And here's the point Luke is trying to make. Strangely enough, God's glory is revealed 
not just on this mount of transfiguration where his face glows and his clothes dazzle. Strangely enough, God's glory is revealed even more clearly on the mount of Golgotha. For it's here on the cross, on this dreadful mountain called Golgotha, that God reveals not only Jesus' divinity, but it's here on the cross that God reveals what divinity is for. It's for us. <laughs> Miraculously, it's for us, for everyone. Allow me to quote one scholar reflecting on this mystery. He writes, When Jesus is finally revealed in his glory, we learn that his glory is not what we think we see. His true glory is other, something else altogether than. His true glory looks an awful lot like glory's opposite. His true glory is not to be found in a changed face or clothes of dazzling white, but outstretched arms and bloodied hands and feet. On the Mount of Transfiguration, God is revealed in Jesus. On the Mount of Golgotha, Jesus reveals what God is for us, everyone. God for us and for everyone. There is but one application from today's scripture passage. It's the same big takeaway that Peter, James, and John had when they first saw Jesus and his divinity literally shining through him on the Mount of Transfiguration. Our takeaway for today is the same that was for Peter, John, and James. And it comes from the voice that spoke from the cloud. As Peter, John, and James woke up to the reality of God in their midst, a cloud overshadowed them, the text says. Then a voice from the cloud said, here's our application for today, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. It's that simple, but it's not that easy. Jesus is God's son, God's chosen one, listen to him. Jesus, transfigured and glorious appearance, is God's Son. Listen to him. Jesus, bloodied and battered on the cross, revealing a divinity that suffers and that is for us. Jesus is God's Son. Listen to him. Jesus is, my friends, the revelation that God is for us and for everyone. So listen to him. And really listen. Don't just listen for what you want to hear. Listen for what you need to hear. Listen to Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.